0: For a scripture reading, turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We'll be looking at verses 9 through 15. This is our Lord's intercessory prayer, as our high priest. And he says in verse 9, I pray for them. Who's he talking about? Those he gave the promises of God to, the Word of God to. Those for whom he's about to die. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name, those that thou gavest me. I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, And these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil one. If you will, turn back with me to John 17. The lesson this morning is about the keeping of God's saints, the perseverance of the saints, and the preservation of the saints and I'll use for my text John 17 verses 9 through 15 verse 12 he said while I was with them in the world I kept them in thy name those that thou gavest me I've kept and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled the keeping of God's saints It's a very humbling fact that the very best of God's saints must be kept. Kept. You know, we look at these men, we admire them. Um, They're just as susceptible to sin as you are. Men that the Lord has used in a great way. I'm convinced that the reason for preserving such painful details about men like David... David was a man after God's own heart. Samson. Lot. And many other men of faith. I'm convinced that the reason for preserving such painful details about them is to show us our need of being kept. Peter was so sure of himself when he said, though they all forsake you, I won't. He meant it. He meant it. He wasn't just making that up. He he meant it. But he had no idea of what it was to be sifted of Satan. And while Judas was full of disagreement, found himself guilty, I'm sure, of lesser crimes. I don't think he ever imagined himself to be the betrayer of Christ, the Son of God. My friend, sin reigns in the hearts of men unto death. He says, by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Sin entered and death passed. We all live out our days in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and are by nature children of wrath, even as others. The lust of the flesh arise from a sinful nature. That's where it comes from. It doesn't... We're influenced by Satan in society and and Antichrist religion and things like that, but the lust of the flesh is what produces... Evil thoughts. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. These are the things, he said, that defile a man. The nature of fallen man is nothing but a cesspool of iniquity. He said to look down his throat is to look into an open grave. An open grave. And if left to himself, he's going to self-destruct because destruction and misery are in his ways. How's he going to do it? I don't know. There's so many ways you can't count them. But he's going to do it. Their throat is an open grave with their tongues they've used to seat and all of these things hiding the fangs that are under their lips. Now I want you to hear me. Even more dangerous than a fallen nature is the satanic remedy for it. Well, at least they're going to church. Oh, I hope you don't find no hope in that. At least they're going somewhere. Mm, That ain't a step up. That's a step down. Antichrist religion as a whole is described in the scripture as a beast. What is a beast? A beast is an animal, a creature who cannot reason. He has no reasoning. He has instinct. The beast is controlled by Satan and his aim is at the Son of God. It is in any way that he can to mar disgrace or overturn his purpose of grace. It's for himself. For himself to sit in the same seat that Christ sits in. That's what he wants. He wants to sit in the seat of the highest and be praised for it all. And his beast is called Antichrist because it is the opposite of Christ. Anything and everything concerning Christ, he's opposed to. He's opposed to his person, his ways, his accomplishments, his glory, his offices, everything. He's opposed to it. In his capacity as the evil one, the father of lies, the father of false religion, he's called that man of sin. The son of perdition. He's called the God of this world, little G. I I don't care what it is that men profess, if you listen to them describe their God, that's what they're describing. All false religion is after the working of Satan. It says, with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. What in the world is that? That's a man who convinces you that all your unrighteousnesses are righteous. That's what it that is. You swallow it up. righteousness without God and this power is a force that has engulfed the entire world don't slough it off don't say well that doesn't affect me oh yes it is more than you know the best of saints must be kept we who know God are begotten of God begotten unto a lively hope what's that that's a person. That's Christ. We, have, Unlike all the religions of this world, our hope is alive. He's seated at the right hand of God. I don't have any hope apart from Him. He's the living hope, and it says, by the resurrection of God. God raised Him from the dead. And our inheritance in him is incorruptible, undefiled, and fades not away. It said is is reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Ready to be revealed at the last time. That inheritance, who's going to get it? Those God keeps. That's who's going to get it. If any man draw back, Hebrews chapter 10, the last two verses, if any man draw back, God said, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But here's the good news. We're not of them who draw back unto perdition. We're of them who believe to the saving of the soul. So some people have a little more intellect than others? No. 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 Faith is the gift of God. It's not of works lest any man boast. If you have a faith that you've produced, you'll boast about it. You tell everybody about it. Somebody who ought to know better said recently, my faith is strong. Really? Well, mine not. Mine not. You know, I think the only man that I recall God saying he had strong, well, a couple of them I can call to mind that he said had strong faith. One of them was Abraham, the father of all in the belief. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And the other was the least that you'd ever suspect, the Roman centurion. And he said, I'll follow you home. He said, no, you don't need to do that. He said, all you need to do is say the word. Just say the word. He said, I ain't found faith like this in all Israel. (laughs) Strong in faith. Oh. I'm going to tell you what we're kept by the power of God. Our faith. The reason we have faith, God gave it to us. The reason we still have faith is because God maintains it. In Jude verse 24, he writes, Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Well, what you saying, preacher? I'm saying salvation's of the Lord. That's what I'm saying. We say it all the time, but we don't believe it. Salvation's of the Lord. That's where it comes from. That's where it's maintained. That's where it's perfected. It's of the Lord. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And then, secondly, how does God keep His sheep? He keeps His sheep through His Father's name. That's what He's praying here about. None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You ever think about that? God said, that's my sheep. I'm going to save him. And he declares his name to him and he must be saved. I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. He said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou gavest me, for they are thine. We must be saved. That's what it says. We must be saved because our representative has wrought out a perfect righteousness for us and imputed that righteousness to our account. Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness. We must be saved because our substitute took our place before the holy bar of God and paid our sin debt, settled the account, paid it in full, satisfied divine justice. What's that mean? That means I must be saved. My debt's paid. We must be saved by that name because God raised Christ from the dead declaring our full and free justification. In that name we must be saved because Christ was seated at His Father's right hand where He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Who's going to separate you from the love of Christ? Huh? Shall tribulation, distress, what's going what's gonna separate you? Nothing. Nothing. In that name we must be saved because Christ has an everlasting priesthood and he's able to save to the uttermost all them that come unto God by him. We must be saved. If Christ has brought me to the Father, I must be saved. And in Christ, by whom that saving name is manifested, we must be saved because all power in heaven and earth been given to Him to give us eternal life. That's how He begins this prayer. Oh, that name, that precious name, that glorious name. Where is there another name like His? Huh? A name whereby you must be saved. How does God keep His saints? He keeps them through His own name. Not through their name, through His name. And then secondly, through the means that He's ordained to that end. What means? Faith. Repentance. The hearing of the gospel. The watch care of a faithful under-shepherd. The, the diet of Christ crucified being fed to him. The assembling of the saints. Prayer. Reading of the word of God. The wise man wrote, He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. You won't die? Quit eat? I said, okay, I said just quit eat. It'll just be a few days. You'll die. Quit drinking. Don't drink any water. Don't drink any liquid. Don't do anything. You'll die. Quit breathing. Do you know all those things are used to describe those being kept of God? If thou knewest. That's what he told the woman at the well. He said, give me a drink. Now she had a bunch stuff to say. He said, if you knew. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith unto you, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. You to ask and he to gave. You here this morning and you don't have Christ? Ask. If you had asked, I'd have given. Thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto me, Give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. I'm the bread of life. Moses didn't give your fathers that bread back there in the wilderness. My father gave them that bread. I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. He that cometh to me will never hunger and he that believeth on me will never thirst. Paul said, we're ministers. Listen to this. I'm quoting this. This is out of 1 Corinthians 3. Paul said, we are ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. How many people do he use that means? Every man. Why did they show up? God gave them. Isn't that what that says? Why did He give them? He says, for the perfection of the saints over in Ephesians chapter 4. They were His ascension gift to His church and He gave them. Why did He give them? For the perfection of the saints. That is, to bring them into that faith whereby they see themselves perfect and a representative. There's no other way for you to be perfect except be in Christ. But if you're in Christ, you're perfect. You can you find the imperfection in Christ? It ain't there, is it? God saves men with a perfect salvation and a perfect Savior, and He keeps His saints through the work of the ministry. His sheep must be fed. Some of you got animals. You have to feed them, don't you, Walter? Got to get up, and get out there, and feed them. They ain't gonna feed themselves. His sheep must be fed. They're to be prayed for, corrected, rebuked, instructed in righteousness. And ministers, he said, are given to the church for the edifying of the body of Christ. We have men down here every year. They all have churches just like this one. They all pastor churches, same as I do. But their ministry edifies the whole body of Christ. Done. And he said he's going to keep doing that until we all come into the unity of the faith. Boy, you have a hard time finding that. You can't hardly find unity in four or five individuals. That's why we keep preaching. We keep preaching. You just keep on preaching until they come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God Unto a perfect man. Our hope, our joy, our confidence is in a man. A perfect man. One who fills the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Is that right? That's my hope. In the Old Testament it said, God deviseth means to recover his banished. And to ignore the means which God has ordained is deadly to your soul. Because to ignore the means that God gives, the gift of God, is to ignore God. It's the same thing. Huh? Is it not? Preaching, prayer, assembling together for worship are not options. They're commandments. And when God commanded us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, it was preceded with this verse. I bet you can't quote it. Here it is. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. How are we going to do that? You're going to assemble yourselves together. That's how you're going to do it. We are to consider one another half as men. The best of saints are just men. I I, I love when we did our studies, Brother Mahan pointed out something I'd never thought about before when I read the Bible. John is not Reverend John. He's not Bishop John, he's just John. Look at Peter, see the title up there, just Peter. Ain't Saint Peter, though he was a saint. It's just Peter. The best of men are just men. Men of like passions, the scripture said, like infirmities, like weaknesses. And we're to make allowances for those things. And then we're to consider one another to provoke unto love. We're to consider each other as saints, partakers of the gifts and callings of God, having an interest in God's covenant, redeemed by the blood of Christ, having the same Father. And then he uses this word to provoke. Isn't that an unusual word? Huh? Huh? I would never use that if I was talking about, uh, you know, you need to love one another, you know. and That's not the word he uses. He uses the strongest word in the dictionary, provoke. What's that mean? Well, there's a guy, and you don't care much for him, and he's always talking sideways at you, and and after a while you get tired of it. And then he says, oh, I don't want no trouble. Hmm. Now you want some trouble? Huh? provoke it. Provoke it. Provoke one another unto love. Don't let them stay asleep. Provoke them. Wake up. Oh, my soul. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. God is love. Provoke one another, he said. Consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. What kind of good works? Faith. Worship. Prayer. These are good works. Kindness. Gentleness. Faith. Tender heartedness. Forgiving one another. Oh, don't ignore the means that God has ordained to save sinners. Don't do it. Don't do it. We have our minds attentively fixed on our brethren, contemplating at all times and considering their characters and wants, and be ready to help, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Now, it's not my intention to shock anybody, but the truth often does. The first step to apostasy is forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Of all things, John writes this general epistle. He's going out, 1 John. And he said, they went out from us. Huh? They went out from us, John said. They didn't change their theology. They'll still argue with the old Calvinism. Huh? Oh, I'm a believer. They didn't give up their profession. Well, I'm saved. They're confident in that. They didn't give up their membership. If there's a controversy at the church, you go get them. They have been there in five years, but go get them because their name's on the road. They'll come in and take part. But they left the assembly of the saints because they found something more needful, more interesting, and more motivating than the worship of God. Be careful how you treat the means of salvation. To forsake God's commandment is to forsake God. Our Lord prays, "While I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name. I kept them. They would have wandered. They would have wandered. Lord, my father died. I gotta go. I gotta go take care of this funeral." Let the dead bury the dead. I kept them. I kept them in thy name. Verse 14, I've given them thy word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Now let me tell you something. An understanding of the word of God is the gift of God. And it's precious. It's precious. Untold multitudes go through life reading from the word of God being told things from the scriptures and trying to form some kind of theology to hope in and walk by. And generally, they do come away with something. But what they come away with is not the truth as Paul describes it to the Colossians, the word of the truth of the gospel. That's the message of this book. That's the message of that. I don't care what else you get out of it. It has no bearing on your soul as far as salvation goes. The word of the truth of the gospel. Peter calls it the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The word of God is a book within a book. Its writings contain history, science, creation, law, government, and on and on it goes. Yet the message of it is not concerning these things, but the salvation of sinners. It's a book of redemption. And this understanding comes by hearing. It comes by hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. It it continues to come. You know, you got water running in your house. Go out there and cut the line, then go turn the faucet on. And nothing comes out. But, But we do that with faith all the time. We think we're still getting fed. We think our faith is still increasing. Oh, faith cometh by hearing. It keeps right on coming. It keeps right on coming. This understanding comes by hearing. And no pastor can watch for the souls of men and women who do not assemble with him to be ministered by him. It's like fixing a meal for somebody and they don't show up. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like a doctor. He goes into the patient room and he opens the door and he, ain't nobody there? Ain't nobody there? When our Lord said the whole need not a physician but there was somebody there that day that needed him and he was there. He wasn't somewhere else. And then lastly, I want us to see the unity of God our Father with His Son in this work. The Son, by His own words, came to do the will of His Father. That's why He came. I glorified Thee on the earth. I finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. Verse 6, I I've manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. Verse 8, I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have known surely that I come out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. The whole of the Godhead is involved, directly involved, actively involved, in the salvation of chosen sinners. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, you had a father before the world was. And your father is the reason why all these things in time come about. Huh? Read Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ according as He had chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, The whole of the Godhead is in union and fully engaged in the salvation of God's elect. And there's a divine union in the work. And the deity's never in disagreement. There's never any schism or separation, no split, no discord. And while the work of Christ is more visible, yet it's a part of the whole, and the work is in perfect harmony. The church of God has a heavenly Father. Grace and peace, Paul writes in nearly every epistle, from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. In our prayers, the Lord taught us to pray. He said, you pray after this manner, our Father which are in heaven. Don't think much about that, do we? Just bow our head and say some words. God is our Father. And unlike those scribes and Pharisees, God really is, if we're a believer. He's our Father. And though it's not often mentioned, the Holy Ghost, who is no less God than the Father or the Son, who's equal with God, same as the Son said he was. He's engaged in this work. And his work's in perfect harmony. That's why he's called the Spirit of Christ. Paul said, so then, they which are in the flesh, they can't please God. But you're not in the flesh. You're not in the flesh. But in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man had not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Not. There's a perfect unity among the Godhead in the salvation of chosen sinners. And the Father and the Spirit are both manifest in the Son. Oh, may the Lord show us the heart of our great God in this wonderful prayer. Uh, keep through thine own name, The whole of the God he no one not turn you loose. Our Lord said over in John chapter ten, he said, I give He said, My sheep hear my voice. I, I know who they are, they know who I am. I call them and they come out. And he said, I give unto them eternal life and they'll never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And my Father, which is greater than all, no man can pluck them out of His hand. And I and the Father are one. <laughs> oh, let me understand. Let me understand that the whole of the Godhead, Russell, is involved in my salvation and engaged to bring it to pass. You reckon You reckon the Lord's going to fail? Uh-uh. There ain't no way He can fail. And I tell you, when you see that, your hope will be so strong. It'll be so strong and, and assurance, you'll have so much assurance because you done took your hands off of it. <laughs> what I got, I'm being saved. That's what i got to do with I'm being saved. Oh, may God give us an understanding of it. How sweet His promises are.